go ahead and get started. Um, before we jump into the, what we have to say, um, I'm going to pray for our time, and then um, we'll go ahead and get started. Heavenly Father, uh, God, I pray that right now you would just remove any distractions that are in our minds, God, that, uh, the things that will pull us away from what you have to say to us right now. I pray that um, you would really speak through Katie and I, that it would really be your Holy Spirit that is uh, speaking and, and not us, God. And I pray that anything that you don't want them to hear, God, that they would just fall on deaf ears, that uh, uh, they would walk away with what you want them to walk away with. And Lord, I, I thank you for this awesome opportunity, and I thank you for these sophomores, God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, guys. Well... We are super excited to be talking to you. Um, I didn't realize how much I loved sophomores until they were like, <laughs> we were in staff meeting and they were like, okay, we gotta do a sophomore talk. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so great. We're gonna talk about this and this. And they were like, okay, geez, you can do it. <laughs> um, but before we get started, Katie um, had something I think that would be pretty good to say. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, so this is a disclaimer for this talk. Oh, let's oh, go let me and let some people in. Travis, can you let them in? Thank you. Ah, there's all the sophomores. <laughs> Here they are. I knew we had more. Come on in. We're just getting started. Don't worry. It's just recorded forever that you were late. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. We don't have to mention their names. So much. Uh, <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah, you're good. Wow. That's commitment. And that's why I love sophomores. <laughs> So, the disclaimer is you are at the sophomore talk. Now, Jacob and I did not sit down and think, who are our sophomores? We got Brandon, Solomon, yeah. Ellie. What do they struggle with? Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, make a talk based on things that we think you guys really need to work on. Um, that would be really discouraging. <laughs> so, but th these are things that we have noticed students, like, a few steps ahead of you fall into. Mm -hmm. And just things we notice about this time of life in general. Mm -hmm. So, that's where we're coming from. Mm -hmm. um, we're not coming from from a place of like, you're doing everything wrong. Yeah. So. Also, most of these examples are me doing dumb things, so <laughs> you'll be able to hopefully not relate to that, but we'll see. Um, so we wanted to start, what is different about your sophomore year from your junior year? You're all like basically done, I mean not from your junior year, from your freshman, freshman year. You're all basically done with sophomore year at this point. Uh, you only have a few, I don't want to scare you, but you only have like a couple months left. So what is some things you can just, I don't know, raise your hand, shout them out. What are some things that are different? You're not babysitting. You're not? Yeah. <laughs> Maddie? You know the school. But... Yeah, that's true. You know your way around. Not living in the dorms anymore. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I know it. <laughs> Big change. Yeah, seriously. Those are some really cool things. Take more initiative, leadership. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, you really do. You get taken a little more seriously than a freshman might. Yeah, that's totally true. Yeah, Travis. Yeah. Uh huh. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. These are really good things, and we want to talk about a lot of them. And in fact, we actually named this talk the tipping point because it it kind of describes what you what you guys are feeling right now. There is a lot more responsibility and a lot more pressure than, say, your freshman year. And uh, the tipping point kind of describes this idea of you are making more choices that have more lasting consequences. So if you imagine like a scale, um, you are going to put like a little rock on the scale when you make a choice. And that's going to tip the balance of um, 
what what your what the consequences of your life will yeah. produce. Which could affect your entire college career. It could yeah. affect the rest of your life. So yeah, and you you know it could even just affect your day or whatever. <laughs> you know, so the the tipping point isn't necessarily um, one big decision, but a couple of pretty key decisions that you'll have to make throughout your um, days. And I, I also want to stress, man, there are some things that God wants to do in your life and things that God wants to give you. Um, and one of the biggest things that will probably hold you back is whatever the last thing God told you to do, if you haven't done it yet, he's not going to give you a new thing. I don't know why, but that's just how he works. That's what I've seen in my life. That's what I see in the Bible. If God has asked you to do something, um, then you're going to need to step up and do it. Like you need to take that initiative. And if you haven't yet, then he's just going to, if you ask him, God, what's this next thing that I need to do? He's going to say, what's that last thing I told you to do? Have you done that yet? <laughs> so um, that's why, man, it's so important um, when you reach these tipping points that you have already decided to do what God has asked you to do. Um, and each point we want to emphasize you're going to choose one or the other. You can't not choose one. Mm -hmm. You will always have to choose one or the other. So, uh, man, the reason I'm so excited about you guys is, uh, man, my sophomore year, I really wasted it. I really didn't get, I didn't get all in with challenge. Um, I didn't really start really taking my walk with God seriously until the summer of my, like before my junior year. I, I had decided to just kind of skate, like go with the flow, let challenge kind of like push me forward instead of really taking the initiative and making my relationship with God very personal to me. And so it is so important that if if you're like on the fence, if you're not all in, if you're um, still trying to work out what it means to have a real relationship with God, like just make that decision now because it's it gets harder and harder the, the later that you go. And I really believe in you guys. Uh, you guys, sophomores, are in a really unique area where, like, you are the next step. Like, freshmen are good. You know, we like freshmen and we want them to be a part of challenge. But you guys are kind of setting the pace for how freshmen are supposed to move forward. You are their next step. And so how are you living your life and how um, are you pursuing God? That's really important to us and, and hopefully to you. And so just to jump right into the points, our first point is, um, your, your first tipping point will be a choice between arrogance or humility. You'll have, you'll have many instances in where you will choose one or the other of these. Now, usually you like given the option, if I were to, if I were to just tell you this option is arrogant and this option is humble. I know most of you, and most of you would be like, well, I'll choose the humble option. That's the easiest choice I've ever gotten all day. Um, but unfortunately, the enemy is a lot more sneaky than that. Um, he doesn't give you really obvious choices between arrogance and humility. In fact, most of them are incredibly sneaky. And so um, I want to do a little exercise with you guys, get you participating in this. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you a story a real life story that either I was a part of or um, got to experience um, from the outside. And I want you to tell me, man, in what ways is that story, like where does arrogance show up there? Is it in me? Is it in others? 
um, how did it sneak in there? Like what, what thought processes and what attitudes are arrogant in that? So first story is called Jacob joins a panel. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> a, a panel. Okay. I'll explain it. Um, so a few years ago at spring break, we had um, some speakers come, and it was just a really awesome time. They had a men and women's time, which they're going to have again this year, later in the week. And it was just, it blew me away. It was so cool. Um, the guys got to hear from these really godly men and ask really good questions, and the women got to hear from really godly women and ask really good questions. And uh, man, I was like, Whew, this is so great. And some of the girls got to talking and they went, man, it would, that was awesome, but it would be really cool to hear from some guys and get some guys' perspectives about some guy things. And I was like, yeah, that is a good idea. So I grabbed a bunch of my guy friends and we made a panel and these girls started us asking us these questions like, man, what do I do when my brother is contemplating suicide? <laughs> I'm a sophomore at this time. I don't know anything. Um, and so, man, that was a really humbling moment for me. So where where do you guys hear arrogance in that story? Uh, look into yourself for the answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guys, you thought you had it figured out. Yeah. It never even occurred to me that, like, they might ask me questions that I don't know the answer to, you know? <laughs> like, I never even thought that was a possibility. <laughs> What else? How else do you hear arrogance in that story? Yeah. Yeah. I took I totally took my own initiative and took my own steps and never double checked them. I just assumed I was right the whole way down. That's a really good one. It really like totally snuck in there. I never thought of it. Yeah. I guess you kind of assume that you and your friends would be representative of Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the whole male race. Yeah, exactly. We got it. I've got five guys here. That's basically all the guys in the world. You didn't get like your guys? No, nothing. It was just me and my friends. Oh, didn't even talk to Paul. Yeah. Didn't even talk to Paul. I did afterwards. I went, Paul, I messed up. <laughs> it was bad. Paul remembers. It's great. Um <laughs> What about the girls? <laughs> Looking, like, thinking you guys have answers. Yeah. Why didn't they go to their leaders? Why didn't they think, why did they think that the ladies that they were asking questions didn't have the right perspective? Yeah, that's what I think. Mm-hmm. Like, the staff put that together for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of going out of their way to say, well, that wasn't good enough for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's it's and it's not like those aren't obvious obviously otherwise I wouldn't have done it if I had been like wow these are really arrogant thoughts I'm having and I wouldn't have done it but it you know it sneaks up on you so the next one is called Jacob complains about leadership <laughs> so I was living well I was going to live in the guy's house before it is where it is now there's used to be a different guy's house and uh, I was applying and there was a phrase on the application that I didn't agree with. And so I talked to my the guy who was going to be my roommate about it. And I was like, wow, what do you think about this phrase? And he's like, oh, I don't know. And I was like, I think it sounds like this, and that's not really good. And and he's like, yeah, I think you're right. And so then I called my mom. And I was like, man, this really makes me uncomfortable. And she was like, yeah, you know, that's you shouldn't be uncomfortable. That's not good. And then I talked to 
more people and the more people I talked to, um, the more I got validated, oh, I'm in the right here. So I grabbed uh, a couple of the guys who were applying to the guy's house and we pulled aside Paul on a Sunday and uh, we were like, Paul, man, this phrase in here, it's wrong. <laughs> and you know what Paul said? Wow, that's really arrogant. <laughs> that was a very humbling moment for me. So what? Where, where, where did the arrogance happen? What happened there? You didn't go straight to Paul. I'm sure if I had, instead of, like, thinking to myself, oh, this, is, this is totally wrong, if I just went to Paul and be like, hey, what did you mean by this? He would have explained it to me. But... I did it. Like a request, not direct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you have something, Maddie? Oh, yeah. Um, so <laughs> they said uh, that I didn't even go to Paul. Like, I didn't go to him about it. That's what you're going to say? Yeah. Going to your leaders is very important. I think also, like, I don't know, obviously for you, but we can tend to seek, seek validation, like, seek the wisdom of people we yes. know that we're going to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of times, it, man, this is a good heart check for you. You might be going through a hard time or, you know, whatever, and you know, okay, if I call this person, they're going to tell me something I don't want to hear, but if I call this person, they're going to, like, make me feel better. So I'm going to call that person. You know, it's like, you really, you need people who are going to speak truth in your life, for sure. Yeah, those are really good. Okay, this next one. Um it's a, it's a conversation I heard and slash was a part of. Um, and uh, these next two aren't me directly. They are from people who have graduated from Challenge, so I don't feel bad about talking to them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, this one was, there was a talk that was going to happen, and I believe it was on First Memory. And it was by a really awesome guy who's just a really wise man, and I was like really stoked about it. And this other person was like, you know, I've, I've really got, I've heard enough about verse memory. I, I know about verse memory. I know what it's about. So I'm just going to, like, not go to this talk and get some homework done. Where do you see arrogance in that? Where are arrogant attitudes in that? Melissa? I think that basically your, your learning stops because you have heard it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because you heard it before means you, like, know it completely. It's not teachable. Yeah. Yeah. This person probably felt this person was he's been he'd been in challenge for a while, or she. And had been in challenge for a while. And uh, they they probably felt like, man, this is just basic stuff. I need like cool theology I need stuff. Real yeah. help. I want real help for real problems. But and that it's so tempting to think that sometimes. It's so tempting to think about, man, I've heard this talk about quiet times a hundred times, but I will tell you, when I come into meetings like that with a teachable attitude, I I always walk away with something new or something deeper. And then this last one, uh, the, the, the idea is this person had been going to challenge for a while and he was... He or she was there as a freshman and a sophomore, and they were going into their junior year, and they were saying things like, you know what? Paul never really talks to me anymore. Like, we used to talk basically every day after, or not every day, every after every challenge, but now we don't really talk 
And you know what? I, it just feels like challenge isn't really geared towards me anymore. Where's the arrogance in that? Yeah. <laughs> He's, he's right. It's not geared towards him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I told him. He's right. It's not geared towards him. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It isn't geared towards you. It's geared towards God. <laughs> this isn't about you. This life isn't about you. Nothing is about you. <laughs> it's all about God. But we are so tempted to think in the moment, and we don't normally think it's all about me. You know, if we have that thought, we go, "Whoa, that's wrong." But we might start acting or having attitudes toward it. You know, if Paul's not talking to you anymore, it's probably because he's too busy talking to freshmen or unsaved people. You know, like that's just how that works. Mm-hmm. It's not because he doesn't like you. He yeah, loves you very much. Yeah, he's actually setting the pace for you guys to do this thing. Yeah, he wants to set that example. In uh, in First Peter five five and six, it says, "Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, clothe yourselves with humil- humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble." Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Man, first of all, clothe yourself with humility. That's a choice. You have to choose to put on humility. And secondly, God opposes the proud. The wording in that, um, in the original text, was like, you are here, and then God is here, and he is coming directly against you. And let me tell you, like, I've played tackle football against Solomon before, and it's literally like, it's like, am I even here? Like, you know? And that's like, I, man, I never want to, if, if that's what it's like against Solomon, I never want to be. But God's a lot bigger yeah, than Solomon. Yeah, I never, ever want to be against God, because that is terrifying. And that's why, man, that's why this is so important. It's really important for you to dig deep and find the, the those hidden areas of arrogance in you, because when you are arrogant, God is opposed to you. And I would much rather be with Christ, not against him. So what's our response, Katie? How do we respond to uh, choosing arrogance or humility? Um, so a response, you know, the, the opposite of arrogance is humility. And how we clothe ourselves with that, like Jacob's saying, it's not as easy as we wish it could be. And part of why we're talking about this so much is because it's so natural. It's in our human nature to be arrogant. And so the response is something you have to do every day, if not multiple times a day. And something that we thought that's been helpful for me in my life is really praying and asking God to search me. Um, Psalm 139, 23 through 24 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. That is opening the door for God to come from being opposed to you to coming alongside you and saying, hey, this is what I'm looking at. And I I want you to go this way. And um, that requires a lot of humility just up front to pray that. And so if it's hard for you to pray that, that's okay. You're normal. But... Just asking God, hey, <laughs> what am I doing? Um, really just opens the door for him to be able to point things out. And it could be him pointing out arrogance, like am I being arrogant or prideful? But it could also be a, a sneaky form of arrogance is really just thinking like I'm doing okay. Um, you know, I'm not struggling with pride, so I must be struggling with something else. Um, just a second, sorry. Um, so that could be like a blind spot in your life. So if you're thinking like, I don't know what I'm struggling with. 
don't ignore that. Like, don't think, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm probably not struggling with anything. That could be a blind spot or a form of arrogance. Um, did you have a question? Oh, yeah. It's Psalm 139, 23 through 24. And thankfully, when we pray this, God is gracious enough not to list all of the things that we're doing wrong and that we will do wrong for the rest of our lives. That would be really overwhelming. Uh, it's Psalm, Psalm 139, 23, 23 24. Um, Paul also mentioned it in his talk yeah. on the first session, so you might also have it earlier in your notes. Yeah. And God is really faithful to point out things um, gently and just say, hey, this is something I see that you need to work on. And that's a lot better in my experience, God telling me in a quiet time or if I'm praying throughout the day, hey, work on this, then not really thinking about it and then arrogant sort of overflows mm -hmm. and I have a relationship to clear up or I damage something in some way. Yes. And so catching it on the beginning end is a lot more helpful and that's how we can respond to that. Part of falling into arrogance is when you purposely don't choose humility. And what I mean by that is if I'm not actively seeking humility, I'm automatically fall into arrogance. Mm -hmm. So the next um, tipping point that we thought, um, there's three in total. So if you're wondering how many are there, <laughs> this is the second one um, that we kind of have noticed people, students, and this is something that you will deal with for the rest of your life. It's not just limited to the sophomore year or junior year, um, but it's focusing on me or focusing on God. And there are a few categories that fit into this bigger idea. Um, the three categories are relationships, responsibilities, and ministry. And um, kind of like what Jacob said, our default is to be arrogant. Just like that, our default is to really focus on ourselves. It's just how we're wired. It's because we are on this earth and we are sinful and we are breathing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just we will always focus on ourselves if we don't actively try and seek God and focus on him. And so um, I'm going to cover relationships, and Jacob's going to talk about responsibilities in ministry and how you can focus on God in those areas. Um, for relationships, there's a lot that you can choose to focus on yourself in, but we're going to kind of condense it to three big things. Um, the first one is your words. Um, Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up, that it may benefit those who listen. Um, a lot of times it looks, for me, if I'm focusing on myself, it kind of looks like, I'm not gauging the room and seeing, like, how is what I'm saying affecting this person? I'm just kind of thinking about, like, oh, this would be a funny thing to say, or maybe this would be a helpful thing to say, or I'm really doing this internal dialogue, even if somebody's talking in front of me. I'm really thinking about what am I going to say next, and that's pretty focused on me and not focused on them or focused on what God wants to do through me or through them in that situation. Um, and that verse says, only say what is helpful for building others up. Um, for me, that eliminates a lot of things that I could say when I focused on myself. Um, and so a lot of times, um, if you find yourself trying to make a cute remark or say things that are really focused on you, like I or me or in my experience, that could be a sign that you're focusing on yourself. Um, a filter that I kind of like to use or that I should start using more is um, 
if God was in the room, which he is because the Holy Spirit, but if God were as real to me as Jacob is right now physically here, would I say what I'm about to say? If, if, I, if yeah, I'm probably focusing on him. I'm probably really trying to gauge, is this okay with God? If, if the answer is no, <laughs> probably not focusing on him. Yeah. And that doesn't mean never, ever talk about yourself. Like no. if someone was like, hey, how's your day? You'd be like, nothing. Don't ever talk about my day. How's your day? You know? <laughs> That's not what we're trying to communicate. No. We're just trying to say, where is your focus? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, and then the other, um, another area that you can kind of damage this in your relationships is your actions. Um, Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, um, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Um, A lot of times what this looks like for me in my life is continuing to do something for someone or buying up an opportunity when it's inconvenient. Because when it's inconvenient is really when I'm choosing, am I going to do this thing for myself that I was already going to do? Or am I going to do this thing for this person, even though it's, like, not what I was planning? So that could it could sneak in, like, it might look like I'm serving, like I'm doing a good thing, but I'm kind of grumbling about it in my heart, like, can't believe I have to go on a challenge. <laughs> um, or just... Yeah, serving when it's inconvenient. It could be an inconvenient time. Somebody might, like, need a ride right when I'm, like, sitting down to work on something or um, whatever. It could look like really judging somebody. Um, just different things like that. And so, um, but most of the time for me, the action happens when I'm choosing to take an action. That means I'm probably about to do what I'm about to do for myself or I'm about to serve. And the choice comes a lot of times when it's inconvenient. And so, um Just watch out for that, I guess. Um, And then the third thing is your attitudes towards people. Um, That really affects your relationships. People can smell a bad attitude from miles away. (laughs) Not actually, but they can tell when you're not really inclined to, like, care about you. Um, And um, some verses that are helpful for that is Ephesians 4, 2 through 3, and Ephesians 4, 15. Um, It says... Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow into, grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. That's really our end goal in relationships. We really want to glorify God. We want to mature together to glorify God. And sometimes our attitudes can, again, be focused on ourselves. And that can look like a form of maybe I'm having a really hard time forgiving someone. Um, Or, um, you know, a lot of times I put expectations on people in a dating relationship that happens, in roommate relationship that happens. Could be driving home thinking like, okay, I'm going to go home, go do laundry, and then I need to do this, this, and this, and then my day will be good. And like, well, somebody's laundry is in the washer. Who is it? Like, people! (laughs) get it together but that's not like a helpful attitude to the people around me and that's clearly focused on my agenda you know um and so just having an attitude that is really like that my goal is for christ my goal is to humble myself and to be able to help and serve you in a relationship that's that's really what it's about you can have an attitude 
um, while doing things for God that is not really focused on him. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, also um, the other two points, responsibilities and ministries. Do you have a question yeah. about the first reference? Um, if you have a question question, we have a question and answer portion at the end, so you can write it. Mm-hmm. Okay, what? Two, three, three, and then and also four fifteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then another question is, uh-huh. I'm sorry, no, no problem. Problem. I only got your words and attitudes to, towards people because I was writing something down and you said it. I'm like, <gasps> words, actions, attitudes. Yes. Those are the three. Actions. Yeah. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> Okay, so responsibilities. Um, what are some ways that we might focus on ourselves in our responsibilities? What do I have to do? What do I have to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Like how, do, how do they benefit us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, how do they benefit me? What do I have time for? What do I have time for? Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, we really, it, it's hard because it's kind of easy to focus on ourselves and our responsibilities because they're our responsibilities. <laughs> we are responsible for getting them done. Um, but in reality, we need to look at our responsibilities as like things that we've received from God. Our responsibilities are things that God has given us to do here on earth. Even if it like even little things, like if I'm a, a person who sets up chairs in a room, like it's not just like I'm a person who sets up chairs. It's like God has told me. Not maybe not directly. He didn't split open the heavens, you know. But I, I'm told I need to do these chairs, and so man, I need to do them like God has told me to do them. In in Luke sixteen uh, ten, it says, "Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much." Luke sixteen ten. <clears throat> so if you can't set up chairs like God has asked you to set up chairs then why would he ask you to do something greater? What right do you have to that? Really, you don't have a right even to set up chairs, but he gives you that, you know? Like, seriously. And in, in, in 1 Corinthians 10.31, it says, so whatever, or whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Even our responsibilities, those things that we have to do, school, work, I don't know, whatever other responsibilities you guys have, Man, those things are things that God wants us to do, and he wants us to do them well. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to think that it is about you, because it's like, well, it's my degree. Yeah. It's my car. It's my laundry. It's my life. But God <laughs> has given you the ability to learn. He's yeah. given you the ability to wash clothes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound very glamorous, mm-hmm. but we can glorify him through that, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I've been telling people lately is, uh, man, I still have all my limbs, you know? God did not have to allow that to happen. There are people who are born without some of their limbs. You know, like, that, that is something that God has given me. Like, I, I, am, I have been bought at a price, is what, I guess is what I'm alluding to here. Is, is God has given me these responsibilities, and he has allowed me to fulfill them. Um, so the next point is ministry. Now, this seems a little counter, counterintuitive, like, how do we focus on ourselves in ministry? It's all about doing stuff for God. But the scary thing is you actually can focus on yourself in doing ministry. And people do it all the time. Um, Katie, can you go ahead and read uh, out? A, we're going to read to you a section. This is about King David from the Bible, the guy, the David and Goliath David. Um, he became king. 
and he was doing a lot of really awesome stuff for God, and then uh, this happens. Okay, so this is First Chronicles 21. I'm not going to read the whole thing because mm-hmm. it's kind of long, long. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll give you the gist. Um, yeah, so it's about David. Mm-hmm. Um, so it says, Now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. So David said to Joab, his like right-hand guy, and to the leaders of the people, Go, number Israel from Beersheba to Dan, and bring the number to, of them to me, that I may know it. So Joab goes and he numbers all these people. And that seems like, okay, what the heck? I don't understand why you're telling me this. Um, first of all, it said Satan, um, what did it say? And stood up against Israel. Mm. Okay. You should always take notice when Satan's doing something. That's <laughs> really something for you to take notice in your own life. Oh man, like, does he do these, this kind of thing in my life? Um, but what, what the background to this story is God had told David that he needed to trust God for victory. And David decided, instead of trusting God, I'm going to trust the amount of fighting men that I have. And that does not fly with God. <laughs> uh, he, he wants us to trust him. And so even in this area where um, really in being king, that was kind of David's ministry. Mm-hmm. His goal was to be the king of Israel and to lead his people toward God. And instead of doing what God had asked him to do, he decided to trust in his own, his own self. Um, earlier, Bevin had, has talked about um, another king of Israel who did things with a half heart. Doing things with a half heart is another way of just focusing on yourself. It says he did the things of God. He did good things of God, mm-hmm. but not with a whole heart. And that's yes. like his whole like epitaph. Yeah. Like, cool. His whole life summed up in one <laughs> sentence is... He did the things he was supposed to do, but not with a whole heart. Mm-hmm. His heart was not um, pursuing God, going after God, focusing on God, even when he was doing the right things. This is like, man, this is so, so important. Um, Luke 640 says, students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like their teacher. Man, if, if you want to train people, if you want to make disciples, if you want to share the gospel and have people (laughs) know Christ and be in heaven with you, you better have a whole heart toward God because otherwise you're going to train more half-hearted people. And that's scary. That terrifies me. And I don't want you to think like, oh, it's all up to me. I got to be wholehearted. Man, that's, that's again, that's focusing on yourself. We have, to, we have to trust God to give us the fruit of our ministry. But we need on our end to really pursue him and focus on him and allow him to do what he is going to do in our lives. So whether that means, no matter what you do, you're going to leave some sort of legacy at Chico State or Butte College. You already are. Yeah. Believe it or not. <laughs> Either you are influencing people to not do anything and therefore your legacy will die pretty quickly. Or you're influencing people to make disciples and and run after God. And, and if that's the case, man, you might have a really long legacy. 50 years, you can come back to Chico State and find your spiritual great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchild, which would be awesome. That's what I hope for all of you. That's what I'm praying for all of you. Or worse, you might start 
a, a legacy of half-hearted Christians. And that's really scary for me. And I, I just want to, I guess, warn you, but also encourage you, man, you guys are, are, are on the right track. Mm-hmm. Just don't lose sight of God in it. Mm-hmm. So how do we respond to focusing on ourselves and, or focusing on God? What does that look like, Katie? So our response for this tipping point is to really acknowledge God, um, which sounds kind of silly. <laughs> like, okay, God, you're there. Awesome. Done. But what we really mean is, um, I have kind of a funny example. The more you acknowledge something, the more you focus on it. So if you know me at all, you know that I am a very verbal person. And if I'm hungry, you'll hear me say it about 15 times before I eat. And that's because, like, I kind of notice it. And I'm like, hmm, I'm hungry. And then five minutes later, I say, I'm hungry. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it becomes something that I'm really focused on. And I need to fix because it's a problem in my life. <laughs> like, I, I just can't move past it because... I'm hungry, you know? <laughs> and so that, that is silly as an example is, is that's how it works. The more you acknowledge something, the more you focus on it. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not like, again, it's not hard for us to acknowledge ourselves. You already do that. You're already yeah. experts at that. <laughs> but you can learn and train yourself to be an expert at acknowledging God. And that will therefore bring you to really focus on him. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of what that looks like is... Um, in two ways. It's really praying throughout your day. There, Cause there's more than just sitting down in the morning and having quiet time. That's an amazing way to focus on God, mm-hmm. but you can't do that for 24 hours a day. God asks you to like work and do school and stuff. So how you can do that is doing things throughout your day. And so praying throughout your day, um, and really memorizing verses, um, which you hear all the time, mm-hmm. but they really are ways that you acknowledge God and that God speaks to you throughout your day. Um, and so a lot of times I encounter this moment of prayer (laughs) within my day where I get to a point, I'm like, Oh God, I need help. (laughs) Like, please help me. (laughs) Um, I have kind of a story about these two things kind of coming together. Um, I used to work at the children's place, which is a retail children's clothing store. And it was kind of a stretching experience because I worked with non-Christians and I really wanted to reach out to them and also do my job well and represent Christ. But I also at the same time was an intern for challenge. And so that was a lot of work and pouring out of myself even more. So I remember I got off a shift at the children's place and I was driving to a challenge event and I was sick and I was just like, man, I can't do this. I mean, I can, but I don't want to. And I just remember praying in the car, like, God, I know I've memorized a verse probably somewhere in the back of my head that would help me right now. Would you please, please help me to remember something? And God brought to mind um, Psalm seventy-three twenty-six, and it says, My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. And it was just kind of like, God was like, I got you, girl. Like, <laughs> obviously not that, like, cash, but <laughs> but he just, I mean, he knew what I needed. He knew that I'm not feeling well. I'm sick. I'm about to go do something hard and after I just left something hard. But God's saying, you don't need to rely on yourself. That's why I'm here. I would not have had that moment of encouragement had I not really thought about, hey, God's here with me now. I will utilize this. Um, And so that's like something we really want to encourage you guys to do. Um, Think through ways to acknowledge God. Some indicators that I have not been acknowledging God, I have some thoughts that sound like this. 
which they might sound similar to you, but we're all different, so you might have to figure it out for yourself. But for me, these thoughts sound like, I have so much to do, <laughs> which I say a lot. <laughs> what about me? I don't often say that, but I think it. I am always the one to seek out this person or do this thing or work on this. Or a really sneaky one is, you know what I think I'm doing pretty good? <laughs> I'm doing all right. None of those things are acknowledging God. Mm -hmm. um, and there are things that come up often every day within the life circumstances going from one thing to another. Um, so I would encourage you guys to kind of think through what are my thoughts that I think that come up often enough for me to see a pattern of, hey, I might be focusing on myself. Really mm -hmm. learn to tag those because those are, they need to be red flags in your mind mm -hmm. when you hear them or think them. Mm -hmm. And try to identify those thoughts and replace them with truth. That's why verse memory is so important. Because when I do think I have so much to do, I think, you know what? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And that is the truth. Yeah. I need to move forward in that and stop thinking that I can't. So, hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. And <clears throat> um, just know also that um, as you tag these thoughts as like, you know, if I think, if I'm the one thinking, man, I'm the I'm always the one to seek out Brendan. He never wants to hang out with me. I'm always like, Brendan, please hang out. And he's always like, yeah, I guess. You know, like, if I, like, if that's my thought and I start red flagging it, the enemy will start changing the thought. Now, instead of saying, I'm always the one to seek out, it'll be, Brendan never seeks me out. Which is Brendan the same must thought. Hate my gut. Yeah, sorry, I'm picking on you, Brendan. <laughs> but it's like if the if you take if you have a, a flag on a specific phrase, it'll change. But if you have a tag on a specific, I guess, feeling or thought process, that doesn't change. Like a theme. Like a theme. Yeah. Or yeah. So the theme of that is basically like nobody loves me or you know whatever you know like like i always have to be especially also man just another thing sorry this is free um <laughs> if you're thinking the word always or never it's almost always a red flag <laughs> unless it's about god unless it's about god the only circumstance oh, yeah, in which exactly. those things apply yeah god always loves me yep you got it yeah you if nailed it that's I'm not a red flag always the worst that's not true yeah <laughs> you know or whatever. stop thinking that Yes, both of those are just because part of it is when you say an absolute statement like that, part of you is also kind of trying to predict the future, which you can't do. Only God knows the future. If I say I will always have my right arm, I'm assuming that some maniac's not going to chop off my right arm. That's recorded. People are going to remember that forever. Awesome. All right. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's warm up here. It is warm. <laughs> I'm not going to take off this sweatshirt, though, in front of all y'all. So the next point is, uh, the next tipping point is choosing. All of these, by the way, are choices that you will make. Intentionally. And you will do it, yeah, either intentionally or not. That's true. <laughs> yeah. You either choose patient faithfulness or discontentment. So we have a dis blah, blah, blah. disclaimer about the word discontentment. <laughs> um, a lot of times when you hear that word, you think like, oh, this isn't what I want in my life, or like, I'm just really unhappy with work, or I really wish I was dating, or I really wish I was married, or I really wish really I had more disciples. And, and that 
is kind of what we're talking about, but what we're also talking about is it's kind of like a sneaky um, way of being focused on what's next, focused on what's ahead of you, and really missing the opportunities that God has right here and right now today. Mm-hmm. It can even go so far as I'm really focused on tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, it doesn't have to be a year from now or a season from now. An example from our life is... Um, like, we're about to get married, which is pretty cool. And I'm kind of, we're really, I know, it's exciting. <laughs> and it is really fun, but right now it's incredibly busy. If you ever plan a wedding, just know it's busy. Yeah. Um, but it's really fun, but it's yeah. really busy. Um, and it's really easy for me to daydream. Like, once we're married, we're going on vacation, and then we'll come back, and it'll be the summer. Like, we won't have as much work. But if I'm really thinking about that a lot, I might miss who I'm sitting next to at lunch. (laughs) You know, I might miss an opportunity that God brings my way or even a thought that he's trying to get me to process. Um, So that's just kind of what we mean by discontentment. It doesn't necessarily mean like, well, I'm not grumpy about my circumstances. It could just mean I'm really not focused on right now. Where I need to be, yeah, which is where I am. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so man, acknowledge the stage of life that you're in and embrace it. Like, God has given you this stage of life. You don't, you don't get to skip it, mm-hmm. you know? This is a good, mm-hmm. and God is using it. And sometimes we can get so caught up in the next stage. Oh, I can't wait until I'm a senior and I can have senioritis. I don't know what you guys, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or whatever. Like, we get so caught up in the next thing, and it's going to sound so good. It's like the grass is greener on the other side. Mm-hmm. Right now it's so hard. But, man... Talk to us when we're married and yeah. say it's not that great. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It'll be fine. <laughs> That's also recorded forever. <laughs> it will be great. It will be hard. <laughs> the point is, the point is, uh, man, we can get so caught up in what's next that we just miss the good stuff that God has now. Mm-hmm. Even the good, hard things. Mm-hmm. You know, some things are hard, but they're good because they bring us closer to God. Sometimes we feel overwhelmed, but it's good because it brings us closer to God. I felt really overwhelmed when my sister got hit by a car and I had to run down to Southern California, like right before school started and my work got crazy busy. That was very overwhelming. And it was a very hard trip, don't get me wrong, but it was so good because I got closer to God on that trip. I got to experience his uh, community. I got to invest in my family. I mean, that, that was some really good stuff in a really hard situation. So don't discount what's happening right now. I like, I just want to, I guess I, I want to warn you guys, man, I, when I was in the dorms, I'd recently, just last year, moved out of the dorms and moved into this awesome house. What's up, Travis? <laughs> and uh, it's, it's good. I love it. And, and while I was in the dorms, man, I got really focused on getting out of the dorms, which is crazy because I was there for a purpose. I was there to reach people in the dorms, and it was great, man. Maddie, you're here, and we had a great time at the dorms. I mean, it was it was so fun. Solomon, Jackie? Michael, you guys were there. There's Jackie. a lot of you, actually. Wow, yeah, you're all here. Way to go. You know, Sam? <laughs> Sam was the, the homie, you know? We had a really, really good time, and it might disappoint you to hear, I did not really enjoy living in the dorms. I know. <laughs> Yeah. I was really focused on the future and I missed a lot of opportunities 
to reach out to more students. There are, there are times that God handed me moments and he said, dude, you can take this and you can really impact the student's life. I will give you that gift. And I said, no. Whether intentionally, I didn't see it at the time. At the time, I just thought about, man, I'm tired. I want to go to bed. Mm-hmm. You know? In James 4, 13 through 15, it says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a town, and we'll spend a year there and trade to make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will go do this or that. I mean, the, the, the point of this verse is, like, you're missing opportunities now. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. I can't assume that about you. Maybe you're, really, you're a lot better than I was as a sophomore, and you are totally buying up all the opportunities. But in my case, I was missing opportunities in the moment, looking for, toward a future <coughs> that most of the time didn't even happen. <laughs> Most of the time I would think, oh, I can't wait until, I mean, this last year it was like I was in school and working full time and I was like, oh, I can't wait till I graduate and things calm down. And <laughs> guess what? That didn't happen. <laughs> Stuff happens, you know? And so it's, that's, that's, that's the warning of this verse. Why, why focus on something that hasn't happened yet when you could focus on what's happening here and now? And it could even come in the negative form of, when I'm a junior, it's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's... Yeah. And that will still distract you from what God's doing now in your life. And, But really, God hasn't asked you to worry about that. He's given you the strength and grace to deal with what he's given you today. Mm-hmm. Not, when that hard stuff does come up, when you're a junior and senior and graduated, he'll give you the strength and grace to deal with those things. But today, he's not going to give you the grace to deal with that problem. <laughs> because he hasn't asked you to deal with that yet. Right. Um, Definitely. So, um, how we respond? We choose patient faithfulness with abiding trust. So abiding trust is important um, because trust, obviously, we always have to trust God. Trusting God is important. People say, let go and let God, trust God. But abiding trust is important because you really need to know what God has for you. In John John 15, 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So we like we have a bunch of stuff in our arms. These are all our responsibilities, right? And we see something that we like or something that's good, and we think, I'm going to trust God and take that good thing and, and put it in my arms and, and, and just keep doing that. And eventually your arms get more and more full, and, and suddenly you're overloaded. And if you don't have abiding trust, if you're not really seeking the Lord and hearing from him and praying to him and reading your Bible, you might have put stuff in your arms that wasn't meant to be there. And that might contribute to why you might be feeling overwhelmed. Well, and part of it is because God will bring something into your life and say, hey, I want to, to add this. Like, and not as a, you have a chore. Yeah. <laughs> this is your assignment. It's really like, I have this gift for you if you want it. Mm-hmm. And I'm over here like... <laughs> really God? Like, but I don't often see it as a gift like oh a good thing it's mostly like that's another to do mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want another to do yeah. but if I see it as that and not a gift that an opportunity that God's giving me to 
build something to to really um, have more of an impact in eternity, mm-hmm. I might say no and really regret it later. Yeah. Or I might say yes and act as if it's a chore that yeah. God gave me to do. And neither, neither way is patient faithfulness. Mm-mm. Both of those have negative outcomes. Um, one way this showed up in my life, um, I am very busy <laughs> all the time. And it's good. It's a good business, and I enjoy working and doing work. And so there was a, a night I could very vividly remember where I was working on something, and I was like, man, I, I'm going to get ahead. Like, I'm, I was working on slides for some sort of talk somewhere. I don't remember if it was core team or challenge or whatever, but it, it was like a Monday night, and I was like, I'm going to get ahead on this talk so that I can relax a little bit more through the week or, or fit more North Star or do something else, you know. Uh, not be so busy with all these things that I have to do. And uh, somebody, one of my friends was talking to me and I'm working and he's talking to me and I'm kind of like giving like shorter, like, okay, yeah, I'm like listening. But I was only kind of half listening because I was trying to work. And uh, suddenly I kind of feel this tug. I don't know how to explain it, but I just felt something that was like, you should probably put this work away and listen to what this person has to say. And Man, it, it, this came at a time where I was actually really on top of my quiet times and my memory, my verse memory and my, my prayer. And, and so I was kind of, I had this sense of abiding in God and, and uh, I felt like, okay, I think this might be from the Lord and not a distraction. So I closed my computer and I listened. And as I listened, man, this person, this ended up being a very pivotal conversation for me and this person. Uh, they really revealed a lot of stuff to me that was like, wow, I did not know this about you. And I'm glad that I do now because it's very important for our relationship that I do. I'm really glad that I I was in a a time, a season in my life in where I was really abiding in God and listening to him and he could pull on my heart just a little bit, just enough for me to go, maybe I should close this computer. So, um, man, I I guess we're just going to (laughs) conclude. No, I guess we only have 15 minutes. Oh, that's true. I was hearing voices downstairs, and I was like, oh, no. (laughs) Yes. Um, Okay, so a couple more verses then before we conclude. Uh, Psalm 51.12. That's Psalm (laughs) 51.12. It says, (laughs) Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Part of patient faithfulness is having a good attitude. And being willing to do what God has asked you to do, you know? Restoring to me the joy of your salvation. That's where we could find, like, if you're having a bad attitude, it's hard to have a bad attitude and remember that, like, the God of this universe sent his only son to die for your bad attitude. You know, like, (laughs) it's so hard to keep that attitude. You're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that you did that. Like how, I, I am so not worthy of that. And so like restoring the joy of your salvation and being upheld with a willing spirit, being willing to do what you've been asked to do. Philippians 2.13 says, but God is working in you, in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. It's, in the end, it's all about God. God is giving you the power. He's giving you the desire to do the things that please him. 1 Corinthians 15.58 1 Corinthians 15.58 I don't want to speak through this. It says, 
First Corinthians. <laughs> Get over your song. <laughs> says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You might be feeling overwhelmed right now, and if you don't, you probably will at some point in your college career. Buckle up. I just guarantee it, man. I, it will happen. And if you do, just remember that the work that you're doing for the Lord, it's not in vain. He's going to use it. You may not see, like, you may not have a person that you're directly investing in right now. That's okay. That's on God. You know, he, if you're really seeking out and really praying for someone to meet with and disciple, then he will provide that for you. But if not, that's, that's just his choice. He's doing something else, you know, to make sure that your labor is not in vain. I honestly at the bottom of my heart believe that having excellent chairs set up or doing really good uh, switching the slides from one slide to the next on a Tuesday night could change the world. I really believe that. I believe that somebody who's sitting down on a Tuesday night could really hear from God distraction-free because I did my work to the best of my ability. And I think you guys can do that kind of thing, too. I really believe it. And so to, to end it, man, we don't want you to think, like, okay, I had a choice between arrogance and humility, and I chose humility, and now I'm done. You know, like, <laughs> I tipped the point, and I they, they said you were just going to have one of them. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> All right, you will continuously in life find yourself at a tipping point. Some are more significant than others. I really believe that your sophomore, the end of your sophomore, going into junior year, you're going to have a lot more tipping point type situations. A lot more times where you'll be tempted to think things or, or act on things that just do not honor God. But... Thankfully, these, these decisions that you're making right now, it's like, man, God, God is just, I don't know, God is so merciful <laughs> that he is giving you these little, like, kind of decisions to make where you can choose arrogance or humility now, and, and if you choose the right one, it's like, yes, good job, and if you choose the wrong one, okay, well, I'll learn from it and move on, and that's how we get stronger as Christians. We, we analyze, okay, I have this tipping point decision and I either did it right or wrong, and then move forward from there. And as you go through life, your tipping point decisions will be weightier and weightier. If you think back to the scale, like at first the scales, let's say, are empty, and you're putting one rock down at a time. Well, eventually over time, those, there's a lot of rocks, you know? And eventually the way you tip the scales will have an effect not just on you, but on your family. Or, you know, on your employees, if you're a business owner or not just on the people around you that the older and the, and the farther along that you get the more other people are affected by your tipping point decisions so man praise god that we get to practice it now <laughs> while it's just me that i'm messing up you know like whew, i'm i'm feeling the pressure like katie said we're getting married and i'm like oh my gosh at some point my decisions it's like I'm not just screwing up my life if I make the wrong decision, you know? 
So thankfully, you guys get to practice these now. And you can do so in the context of people who want to help you. If you have someone who's meeting with you, man, they want to help, help guide you through these tipping point decisions. So go to them and ask them. We also wanted to leave you with a challenge. Katie, can you do that while I drink water? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, we just really want to challenge you guys. Um, this is an important time of your life. Um, spend some time with God. It doesn't really matter if it's today or this week. This might be a good opportunity since you're in the woods away from self-service. Yeah. Um, but really spend time with God thinking through those responses, like asking God to search you, asking God how you can acknowledge him more, um, asking God how you can buy up the opportunities he's brought into your life here and now. Mm-hmm. Um, I am so excited to see what God does with your lives. Like it's, I can't describe the <laughs> amount of excitement because you are like, you're at this like beginning journey <laughs> and God wants so much more for your life than for you to graduate college with an okay GPA, okay to good GPA <laughs> and get married to some nice Christian person and have nice Christian kids and go to church. Yeah. Like he wants to use you mm-hmm. and this is how. By giving him your tipping point and saying, help me. <laughs> and so I really challenge you, just pray through these things and come back to them. Um, but really just spend time with God and ask him, what am I doing? How am I doing? Because yeah. um, he is so faithful to guide you, and he will be. Um, so that's, that's kind of our challenge for you guys. Yeah. Also, pro tip, easy way to complete one of the challenges. Man, Bevan is here mm-hmm. for only a little while longer. And then we get Steve Shadrach and, and Paul is here and, and Gary and Joni are here. These are really wise people who are here, not like for fun. <laughs> like they were asked, hey, can you come and invest in some students' lives? And they were like, yes, I would love to do that. So man, buy up those opportunities with them. If you haven't gotten any time with Bevan yet, like at a at dinner, like try and rush his table or something, you know? like. <laughs> Elbow the juniors and freshmen out of the way, you know? Like, <laughs> dang it, that was recorded. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> Seriously, like, I have the, there you have a very unique opportunity right now for very, very wise people who want to talk to you. That's amazing, you know? Like, take that opportunity. Okay, now it's question and answer time. If you have questions, go ahead and raise your hand. We'll pick on Joseph. you. He's ready. Just discontentment. You nailed it. <laughs> Delaney, do you have a? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, so some of us are sophomores at UConn, and we're getting ready to transfer, and we're all waiting for applications to come back. We're all freaking out. Yeah. Give us some wisdom about transfer. Yes. First of all, do it because it took me four years to do it, and I was. <laughs> bad decision (laughs) but second of all um first off man your number one priority in life should be your walk with god and so that should be your number one priority when transferring where do i know people who are walking with god and doing so well that could challenge me and help me as i try and walk with god that really like that should weigh heavily because I've seen so many people transfer away and just stop. Mm-hmm. Or worse, like I said in Luke 640, 
they don't stop, but they leave a really bad legacy of half-hearted Christians. That's not to say you can't transfer and keep growing. That might be the path that God has for you. Totally. But you, it would be wise of you to weigh that. Yeah. Definitely. God's priorities. I definitely figure out what God's priorities are in your life. Put those first <laughs> on your to-do list. And then, you know, figure it out from there. And really listen to God. Like, come to him in prayer and be like, where do you want me to go? I, it could be, honestly, I don't know. I'm not God. He, he could want you to go to Maine. I don't, I don't know. You know, like, I'm not God. I don't know. But I do know this. If you make a hard decision with God's priorities first, he will bless that. 